Wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome to Bleeding Daylight. You'll find many stories of people kicking the darkness at bleedingdaylight.net, as well as links to Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Please take a moment now to think of one or two people that you'll tell about Bleeding Daylight today. From his various creative expressions to time spent mentoring and guiding young people, today's guest has led an interesting life so far. I'll introduce you in a moment. Whether it's blogging, composing song lyrics or authoring books, Alan T. Black is a writer. His three books, Here I Am, Lord, In the Spirit Intended, and Just a Closer Walk have been warmly embraced by readers. His life has involved many twists and turns, but it's those challenges that have helped him to relate so well with his readers and add authenticity to his writings. I'm so pleased to welcome him to Bleeding Daylight today. Alan, thank you for your time. Mr. Olson, thank you very much. It is a tremendous honor for me to be with you and the audience. You came to authoring books a lot later in life than many authors. So let's explore what led you to writing your first book. That first book was really a compilation of essays that you had previously shared through blogging. Why did you decide that the time had come to release those essays as a book? After I had accumulated about 35 of those essays, I had reached a point where I really was just kind of thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And so I remember talking to one of my former students. I let her read a couple of the essays. And she said, well, why don't you put them all in a book and publish it? And I remember when she said that, I was thinking immediately, well, but I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. And she responded, well, what do you call this stuff you've been writing for this blog for for years? I thought, well, she's got a point. And she said, well, one of the things that you taught me in undergrad school was that if I have a dream and a passion to go for it and not let anything stop me. So aren't you supposed to do the same thing? And I thought, you know, she's got a point. I just started the process of seeking out some outlets to tried to assist me with the process of getting those essays turned into a book. And if I'm allowed to say so, I actually wound up going to Fiverr, which is a worldwide community of entrepreneurs and artists and people who do stuff with technology and everything. I'm sure your audience has heard of it. I submitted a request and I just said, well, I need somebody to take my material, kind of pull it together and put it in a book form and see if we can get it published. And I legitimately did not expect anybody to respond for several months because I just thought, well, I didn't think what I had was really readable as far as a book is concerned. And to my absolute shock, the next day after I put out that request in Fiverr, 32 people, I think, responded and said they would love to work with me and help me turn my material into a book. People were so eager and anxious to help me on on Fiverr to get this together but I kind of had to take a step back. I had to say, okay, now I'm at the point where I can either go backward or I can go forward. And so actually that's where the title of the first book comes into play. Here I am, Lord, because I had to say, okay, Lord, here I am. Let's do this and see the, see what's going to happen. 
And this was happening at the advanced age, if I can call it advanced, of 62. Because like you alluded to in the introduction, the authorship side of Alan started really at age 60, which is not something that I really had any intention of doing. I was never really writing with the intent of becoming an author. I was just writing as a way and means of expressing what was inside of me and what God was placing on my heart to share via the blog. But it just goes to show that whatever plan that we have is one thing. It does not necessarily mesh with what God has in store for you. So he took me to the summit where we were able to get the book out on Amazon, the first book, Here I Am, Lord. And I remember after the book came on Amazon and friends were looking at it, they would call me up and say, I'm going to get your book and I'm going to come to your book sign so you can sign the book. And I'm so naive and so behind the times that after I talked to them, I kept thinking, why do they want me to sign their book? Because they already know who I am. And it took my sister to explain to me that, well, you know, you, you're standing out now because you're an author. And a whole lot of people say that, but they don't necessarily make the commitment to do it. So I had to literally be talked into doing a book signing for my first book because I just didn't think I was good enough to have a book signing. So I spent most of 2018 compiling a second set of essays, another 35, for the second book, which is called In the Spirit Intended. It's very similar in terms of the contents, like a continuation of the first book. They're really, in essence, like a reflection of the journey of my life and different experiences that I have undergone. I have one particular essay which is called Less is More, which seems like a contradiction, but the reason the Lord had me to do that is, and he was teaching me in the process of writing that particular essay, that less is more when we are less of ourselves and more of him. And so that's really the focus that he had me to kind of introduce with that particular essay. So there's sort of devotional in a way, I hope they cause people to pause, think, and reflect. They're very short essays because I've learned this much just in terms of working through what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. Uh, basically, like a two or three page essay, very short, very easy to read. It's something you can pick up and read today and go back and read again, maybe six to eight months. It might mean something totally different at that time when you read it there. All three books are kind of written in that vein where it's very down to earth, and it really focuses more on relationship, which to me is really what it's all about in times like these. So that's really kind of like a quick summation of this journey. It's been a journey unexpected. I think that's the last chapter in my third book, Just a Closer Walk, because I can share with your audience, Mr. Olson, that there was never the intent from my position to write one book, let alone three. So the three books that you have written and released so far, they're all following this similar pattern of, of these essays that really started life as blog posts. But I guess the thing that really resonates with readers is that their life experience, things that people can actually connect to. So maybe we'll go back a little we'll backtrack and find out what it is about that life experience that you've been able to put in there. Tell me a little bit about 
how things have been for you over the years. What have been your jobs? What are the things that you have done in life that have led you to this point? I have kind of led a, I don't know how to describe that, a helter-skelter life, I, I guess that's similar to what a lot of people go through on this journey. And so my background is in business. And the first part of my professional career was working in international shipping with a company called DHL. I did that for about 12 years. Really enjoyed learning about international trade uh, rules and things of that nature. It was fascinating. And it really introduced me to things that are going on on the global scale. Eventually, I got to the point where I said, you know, I need to change because physically I wasn't going to be able to do that courier work the rest of my life. And one of my college friends, my best friend, friend from college, invited me to apply to the local university here and to come in and do recruiting for the teacher's college and also become an academic advisor. So I said, well, let me give that a shot for a year and see what happens with that. And I have to admit, Mr. Olson, when I got there to the university, I realized after two weeks, that's really, really what I had been looking for for like 20 years or so. I changed careers in the middle of the stream at about 42. And so I wound up working at the university here locally as an advisor, academic advisor, kind of recruiter, also worked in retention, which is helping to keep students in class and trying to make sure they get through their academic program. And that really became not just a career as such, Mr. Olson, but it really became a ministry of sorts because I enjoyed the fact that I was in a position to try to work with young people who were trying to pursue their passion and their dream of becoming a teacher. And to be in a position where I could do what I could to help them along that road from the time they were incoming freshmen, even to the day that they graduated, it was without question the best career move I ever made. It was a phenomenal experience to work with students who started out at 18 and were unsure and really lacking the confidence to do what it is they had a passion for and watch them kind of blossom, grow, and mature to the point where they were seniors when they were really sure about what they wanted to do to then see them graduate and walk across the stage. I really found myself, as I look back now, that really was my calling for that point in my life. And then I left the university about 10 years ago. I took retirement. But that was really my greatest joy as far as my professional career to be able to work with young people and to encourage them and at times push them along the road to get to where they're going to go. And a lot of that motivation, Mr. Olson, really came from the fact that when I was in undergraduate school, there were people who did for me to make sure I got from A to Z to the finish line. And when I started working at the university at 42, I really adopted that attitude that, you know, this is my opportunity to pay back as far as what people did for me at 18 and 19 and try to do the same thing for other people who were at that age then and coming into their season to go on and become professionals in teacher education. 
I have to say, ironically, I've been away from the university about 10 plus years now. But even to this day, I still, because of social media like Facebook, I still have contacts with a lot of my students who will reach out to me on occasion. And a lot of them have also come around to be very supportive of the authorship side of Alan Black. Some of these students are still a part of my life in some shape, form, or fashion, even after 20 years after some of them have graduated. So I still have one young man who graduated 20 years ago. He still reaches out to me from time to time just to kind of get my opinion uh, and also feedback on where he is in his professional development. And I consider that to be a great honor because he does not have to. And even my students that have been supportive of me, I consider it a great honor. And I'm very blessed that they think highly enough of me to be there for me in this form of who Alan is and at this particular point in my journey. So that's been a great blessing, and I cannot say enough good things about that experience that I had where it was life-changing, even to the extent that when I was in international shipping in the business world, my entire focus was on how much money I was making. I was chasing the dollar to the extent that that's all that really mattered. Going to university and being in a position where I was giving back and then becoming a ministry was completely life-changing because my focus was not about self at that time. It really became about my students and who I was in service to and trying to support. How important do you think it was to be working within that kind of industry, which is all about profit and looking after yourself? How important was that in then being able to sound the warning bells for the upcoming generation to say, this isn't a road that leads somewhere you want to go? I think it's very critical because the Bible speaks of the love of money. I always try to emphasize to my students when I was advising them or just counseling them that you want to be in a position in life where are you doing what you really love? And is this really fulfilling the passion that you have within you? to say, this is what my calling is and this is where I need to be. We all know that the pursuit and the chase of the dollar is very seductive. It can take you to the point where you will ignore certain warning signs, which I was guilty of with health, as far as saying, okay, I've got too many things to be worried about my health. And in my situation, to be honest, Mr. Olson, it wound up actually causing me to be diagnosed with colon cancer. And it really was entirely my own fault because I was so greedy about the money I was making that I ignored my health. And it almost cost me my life. So that was something that I shared with my students as well, is that you don't allow the pursuit of the dollar to get you to the point where you block out everything else, because in the end, it can cost you. So That was a life experience I've always tried to pass along to my students as far as what's really important is your happiness. It sounds corny, but in the end, so many people are seeking after that. And when they do find it, there's a sense of joy and satisfaction that's almost indescribable. And so that was certainly my mindset once I got to university and began to work with college students. That's really what fulfilled my desire in my heart. And I hope my students are learning to do that same thing with their careers as teachers. 
Tell me about that journey with cancer for you. What was it that that happened there as far as your faith is concerned? Because sometimes those life issues can cause us to walk away from faith and sometimes to press closer into faith. What did it mean for you? With my situation when I was diagnosed with colon cancer, which was in December of 97, it was stunning and it shook me to the core, honestly, for maybe a few minutes. But then I said, you know what? There's a reason for this, God. I don't know what it is, but... I'm not going to let this stop me, and I'm just going to trust in you that we'll get through this. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I remember saying that to God, but I said, you know what? I'm trusting in you that you'll get me to where it is I need to go. It was a difficult journey because I had post-cancer symptoms that I had to deal with after they got most of the cancer out of my colon. I was partially paralyzed for a few weeks after I had to learn how to walk again, had to relearn motor skills and things of that nature. I think in the process, Mr. Olson, I lost about 70 pounds. I got down about 110. I looked like a skeleton. But you know, the thing was in the midst of all that, I can remember one day in particular where I was really frustrated because I was not progressing in terms of trying to get back to health the way I wanted to. And I can remember very angrily saying to God, well, you know what? You're making this thing harder than it has to be, and I'm really not happy with this. And I can remember clearly him reminding me that, you know what, Alan? You spent all this time talking about how far that you have to go. But I want you to stop and think how far it brought you. And I remember that moment as clearly as today, and that was 25 years ago. And that was life-changing because it made me stop and think, you know, I may not be where I want to get to, but I'm not where I was when I first started out. And that was profound, and it really had an impact on my attitude and my relationship with God in terms of, you know, a lot of times we do think about well, God, I don't have this and I don't have that and I want to get here and I want to get there. But sometimes we really just need to stop, Mr. Olson, think about the fact that, you know, God has brought all of us from a mighty long way. He continues to do so. And sometimes maybe just stop and smell the flowers, as they say, because maybe you don't have all the things you want. Maybe you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be it kind of developed in me a greater sense of appreciation of just being happy and being grateful for what it is I did have. I think it's easy for us in some shape, form, or fashion to take things for granted and have a sense of entitlement, which I was guilty of. But it also reintroduced the reality that all the wealth in the world doesn't mean anything if you don't have your health. And as men, we are predisposed at times to say, we're going to shake it off, we're going to walk it off, and we'll be okay and don't worry about it. And that's a very dangerous attitude because what happens when 
it gets to the point that I was at where a problem that could have been rectified earlier morphed into cancer just because of my sheer greed and pursuit of the dollar. I want to detour a little and ask you about your work as a song lyricist. When did this first begin for you? That's something that I have been fascinated with from the time I was like eight or nine years old. Uh, My father played music, this was in the 60s, all the time. As I was listening to music in those days in the 60s, I was always fascinated by the stories that were within the song. That's what drew me to music more than anything. Because I was always curious about, okay, why are they saying this or why are they saying that? And so by the time I got into my first year of college, I said, you know what? I want to be a lyricist. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I said, God, you know, this is really what I want to do. And probably around 75 is when I really kind of started in earnest. And I'll never forget the first set of lyrics that I wrote for a potential song I shared with my college professor, who was my mentor. And I said, well, this is really what my dream is. What do you think? I still recall that meeting, Mr. Olson, because it reinforces now as I look back the power of the words that we share with each other because he very easily could have told a 20-year-old Alan that, well, you're wasting your time. You'll never make it. And I would have believed him. I really would have believed him because my faith in him was that strong. But he didn't say that. He said, you know what? You've got some potential here. You're going to have to work on it. I'm going to get you in contact with some people who can really see if they can help you out. But if this is your dream, I'll help you to pursue it. And that's been 47 years ago, Mr. Olson, but I've never forgot what he told me. It just, again, reinforces the fact that our words have power and you can either encourage somebody or you can discourage them or destroy what it is that they may have a dream or desire to do. So beginning in 75, I just started going forward where I would get with people locally and we would collaborate and create songs. I was, I've was i been a lyricist on music ranging from gospel to R&B to hip hop, some pop, and even a few years ago, something in the vein of country. And my friends have said, well, where did this country thing come from? And I said, well, as a lyricist, what I do is I create the story that you hear in the song. And so once I have completed that storyline, Mr. Olson, then my responsibility is to sit back and say, now, what is the best genre to express the story in this song? So the two songs that I've done over the last few years, which are both in the country arena, I decided, okay, based on the storyline and how I wanted it to be delivered, I knew that country was the genre that I would do for these particular lyrics that I had. Actually, for my two latest songs that I did that are country, I've been able to collaborate with somebody out of Nashville for both of those. And so we were able to work together collaboratively to create the two songs. So that's really what my real passion is. I'm planning on hopefully by late fall, November or so, to collaborate and create a Christmas song, which I've always had a dream of doing. I have the lyrics done. I've identified some people I may want to work with. 
I love music and I love the story in them. And I'm fascinated because lyrics within a song, Mr. Olson, you can play your favorite song from when you were 20. And let's say you're 65 or 70 years old. And the power of lyrics is such that within the first three or four seconds of that song that you listen to at 20, even though you're now 67 or 20, those lyrics automatically come back to you. You start reciting those. You start singing those in your head or out of your mouth or whatever. And so that's the real power of lyrics for me. It's the story. I'm fascinated with stories. I'm that nerdy guy who will have a browser open on YouTube Listen to the song. I've got a second browser open because I want to read the lyrics, even though I already know them by heart, because I'm just fascinated with the stories that we hear in all of the songs and the music that we're exposed to on a daily basis. What has been the response that you've received from people to the music that you've put together, uh, from the books that you've written? What is it like to have people actually coming around the things that you have created? Is that a scary time or is is that uh, an encouragement to you when people are commenting either about the songs that you've you've helped to write or, or about the books that you've written or the blog posts that you've written? It's encouraging. It validates what it is that you have a passion for doing. It's also encouraging because it's a reminder that we all are blessed with a talent or a gift. And what are we going to do with that talent and or that gift? And even when I was at the university, I had some plaques on the wall for the music side of Alan for projects I had collaborated with in, say, gospel and R&B. And I would always point those plaques out to my students, not because it was with the intent of bragging on Alan. It was with the intent to show them, okay, this is what my dream and my passion was. And I made the commitment to see about making it happen. And I wanted them to glean from my example on the wall that take the same approach with what it is you have a calling or a passion to do and make sure that you give it everything you've got to get to the point where you can see it in its full fruition. And it's encouraging when somebody says they like what I've done or they read what I've done. I'm realistic enough to know that I'm never going to get big headed and take the credit for it because any and all of this that I've been blessed to be able to do, it's been because of God and because of what he pours into my spirit. I can also say, Mr. Olson, with all three books and even the blog stuff that I do, I have literally written by the direction of the Holy Spirit each essay. And I would go back maybe 10 minutes later to read what the Holy Spirit had directed me to write. And a lot of times I really could not recall what I had written 10 minutes earlier. And so that has taught me that if you're going to be obedient, that God will direct you in manners and in ways that a lot of times are foreign to each of us, but it's really about just being obedient and trusting in him to see where it is he's going to lead you next. If people are wanting to get hold of the books or to get in touch with you, where's the easiest place for them to find you? The easiest place is going to be on my website, which is alantblack.com, which is A-L-A-N-T 
B-L-A-C-K.com. The information will be there about the authorship side, and my contact information is there. All three books are currently there available through Amazon. There are links there on my website. But on Instagram, I'm under Alan T. Black 55. It's been and continues to be a, a learning process, a, a growing process. I can share with the audience that this has taken me into arenas that I never anticipated. Even in the last two years, I've been blessed to become a part of a radio program with three other gentlemen here in my city that we've been doing now going on two years called AJDW Conversation. And so that's been a major blessing where we're doing this on a weekly basis and have done so to the point where our podcast now has about 85,000 people who have actually listened to some of our episodes. And again, it's just about being obedient and stepping out on faith and realizing that when you step out on faith, it's going to take you into territories that you really had no idea were out there. But just trust in God to know that wherever he's going to lead you, he will also sustain you as well. I'm going to put links to your website so that people can contact you and to your Instagram in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net so that people can find them easily. But Alan, it's been wonderful to talk to you, to hear your wealth of experience through life, but also what you've done with that. So thank you for your time today on Bleeding Daylight. Thank you very much, Mr. Olson. It's been an honor And I pray that everybody continues to do well and to move forward with what God's called each of you to do. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.